This is the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where it's all about getting the information you need from successful leading marketers to build and grow your digital marketing agency. Brought to you by Inamur Shafir, founder and CEO of Umbrella, the technology platform and brand that is powering thousands of marketing agencies around the country. Find him at UmbrellaUS.com. And now, here's your host, Inamar Shafir. Welcome to the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where we talk with successful marketing experts about ways to build and grow a digital marketing agent. My guest today is a sales machine. He is the winner of four international Stevie Awards for his Warrior Selling and Leadership Coaching training programs. He's an award-winning author of five books, including the Leadership Sales Coaching, rated as one of the Selling Powers Magazine's top sales books. I'm excited to say hello to Mr. Jason Forrest. Hi, Jason. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on it. Jason, I'm always happy when we have uh, sales professionals on the show because small digital marketing agencies actually suck at it. And having you is an extra treat because I know uh, you guys rock and you have an awesome program. Uh, before we get into how we help our listeners with sales, maybe you can tell the listeners a little bit about how you got started in this and how you got to helping so many people develop the right sales processes in their companies. Sure. So I was very fortunate that I just I was I was raised in a very selling as noble family, uh, in the sense of my father owning the oldest jewelry store in Dallas, and uh, my Sunday school teacher was Zig Ziglar, and my mom was a debate coach and a speech teacher. So I was just raised in a very like pro sales positive uh, type of family, and and so it's it's really all I ever knew. And so when when um, you know, when 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 I heard that people thought that selling was some sort of negative thing or manipulation or something evil or dirty, that was in conflict with how I was raised. I was not raised that way, so mm-hmm. uh, that was very incongruent. Uh, and so I wanted to really kind of dive into that and figure out well, why why do some people think that selling is not a good thing, and and people like myself think selling is a great thing, and and um, and how can I change people's mindset around that? That that sure there are. You know, there are some Bernie Madoff type people out there, but Bernie Madoff is not a sales guy. He's a manipulator. And that's very different. You know, to sell is to persuade. Uh, but if you but if you want to con someone, then you want to manipulate them. So there's just two different concepts. Right. And so talking about that, there are so many types of selling tactics, so many types of personalities, right? Introverts, and you have people that are more outgoing. You have B2B sales, and you have sales to consumers. You have small companies, and you have big companies. From all your years and experience, is the fundamentals for teaching somebody how to be a good salesperson the same across all these personas and industries? Uh, I, I think it's the same. I think it's the same across across all different industries. And again, we, we train, you know, people from small, you know, small, small businesses, ad agencies, we train, uh, you know, big, huge billion dollar organizations. We train uh, SaaS companies to home builders, to furniture salespeople, to cars, to mm-hmm. uh, manufacturing. I mean, just, you name it, we, 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 we teach them how to sell. So, so it, it's the same process across the board. Um, and we teach a, we teach a 12 step process it's broken broken up into kind of three chunks or three stages. And the three stages are, first, you must understand the customer's mission to improve their life on a functional and emotional level. Uh, mm-hmm. The second stage is that you must present your solutions that are in, are, in, are in alignment with what their, what their highest goals are and what they're trying to accomplish. And then the third stage is that you must 
resolve that sale, that you must create resolution around any areas of ambiguity, because I believe ambiguity is death. And so you want to remove whatever that ambiguity is in the customer from making a decision to move forward and to improve their life, improve their business, either with you or with someone else. But you need to remove that ambiguity. So the first chunk, when you said improve their life, you also mean improve their business, right? It could be each or, uh, because I was going to ask about that. You know, I'm, I'm imagining a sales, uh, a sales guy in a SaaS company or a marketing company, right? Selling into an HVAC company, he's talking up with the person there, maybe the business owner. How does improving your life come into play? Like as an example, or is it more improving your business? I mean, to me, to me, they're, they're actually one in the same, right? So, so like as a small business owner myself, if my business improves, my life improves, right? Yeah. So, so they're kind of one in the same, but I also think that's not just a business owner that also is a head of sales. So let's say, for example, you know, you're, you are a CRM provider and you're selling your CRM software to the head of sales of an organization. Mm. Well, you're, you're improving their business through the efficiencies and the effectiveness of how your CRM is going to, to help that business be more streamlined, more efficient, more effective in, on their sales operations when it comes to reporting, when it comes to data, when it comes to you know be able to know who the, the customer they're talking to, uh, know proper account planning. I mean, that's all you know what a CRM salesperson would sell. But at the same time, they're also improving the life of the sales manager who makes that decision. Because if the sales manager... Yeah makes the right decision, well, that's going to improve their life. They're going to, you know, have um, less probably heat from their bosses from the, from up above, as far as the proper kind of leading and managing and accountability of their workforce, uh, that that's going to probably improve, you know, probably turn into promotions. Uh, they're going to be able to know where their people stand better, which is going to improve their life because it removes stress in their life. You right. know, so to me, business improvement and life improvement, I think are, are, are usually one and the same. No, it's, it's, it's very interesting how you captured the fact that it's not just improving the business. There's also the guy that you're talking to that now his life is going to get better. He's going to maybe get a big promotion. Maybe he's going to make more money because he's getting commissions on the entire division and so on and so forth. And you can chime that into a sales conversation. Um, but here, here's here, one thing I'll say on that really quick is to, to reiterate this point is we all know DocuSign, right? So yeah. Keith, Keith, Keith Kroc is the founder and creator of DocuSign. He no longer is, is with the organization anymore, but he was the founder and creator of DocuSign. And um, he actually would say his tagline was, we're in the business of giving people promotions. Wow. And he would say, he would say he basically his sales team would go out there and they would sell, you know, DocuSign back in the day of getting people off of the, you know, the physical paperwork, right? And, and instead to this digital paperwork, digital contracts. And in some organizations, it would be like a million dollar investment. And so you have some, you know, IT purchasing person that's making this million dollar investment and they're they're having to put their reputation on the line, put their, you know, their, 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 their you know, name on the hook. Mm. And he said, but we are in the business of giving people promotions because as soon as you make this million dollar investment into digital contracts, it's going to save your company $10 million over this time period. And you're going to get a promotion off of that. And so that, that was their whole messaging, which of course, yeah. you know, that, that improved their life dramatically. So, so mm. I, I, I want, I, it's actually a very good example to segue into something I really wanted to talk about. There is a situation, especially with small companies that don't have divisions where marketing bleeds into sales very fast, meaning where does a positioning, right? What you just said is a positioning of a product or a tactic, uh, leaves marketing and comes into sales. 
meaning how do I create differentiation? Whose job is it? Is it the sales guy job to create differentiation of the product of the pitch? Or he needs to get it from the marketing team slash the business owner if it's a small company? That's a great question. Well, I, I, um, I personally believe that, that sales and marketing needs to do a better job, of course, working together. And it's really, it's really who has the best pitch around it. For example, sometimes you're going to have the top salesperson that is presenting, presenting the product or service better than what the marketing copywriters have created. Hmm. Or other times you have the marketing copywriters that are, that are uh, pr presenting or pitching the product better than what the sales team is saying in the field. So it's really yeah. not who should do it. It's really like, who's, who's got it dialed in? Who's actually converting? Who's saying it the right way? So one of, one of the frustrations I have with my team all the time that I push them is, with, for example, our copywriters in our company, is I always tell them, I say, guys, I'm telling you right now that the, the way that I pitch our services needs to sound the same as what you guys are saying on the website. Yeah. Because I'm clearly the best, the best closer of my own services, right? <laughs> so, so I'm the best closer of my own services. And when it comes to our, we have a recruiting company uh, where we will find and deliver the ultimate sales warrior for you. That's fully trained and vetted and ready to go. But then also our sales training and sales manager training programs. But the mistake sometimes is that, you know, that the, the somehow the marketing side has not, they're, they're not communicating that highest conversion conversion rate message. And so they need to be hearing that from the top salesperson and putting that copy into play or again, yep. vice versa. So I think that's probably the best answer there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's it, for, for our marketers, for the listeners, for a lot of agencies, and I know it myself, I had an agency for seven years. Uh, when you come to a small organization, many times their positioning and their overall branding is, you know, it, it's pretty lame. It's not really, it doesn't create really differentiation. They didn't really, they didn't even took five hours to think about the brand very deeply in trying to understand their unique values. And the marketer comes in, the agency owner, and he says, okay, guys, look, I, for me to write copy and for me to do ads, I need something unique. Let's start thinking about it. And he basically ends up thinking about it in a vacuum by himself. And then he comes back to the organization and everybody are excited and he implements that in the marketing scheme. But when he reaches the salesperson, salesperson still does, does his own work because they're not in the same team, right? One is in the HVAC company, for example, and one is in the agency. Do you have any tips about how to grab that attention inside small organizations and make them basically retrain according to a new positioning that marketers are bringing in. Yeah, it's a, it's a that's, yeah, 100%. I think that's, I think, uh, I'm, look, I'm in my company, I'm a big fan of daily huddles. And so that's what we live our company by. So for example, like with me and my leadership team, you know, I have um, every core function of the, of the company, re, you know, reports to me. And uh, every morning at 815, we have a huddle from 815 to 845. And that's where we're going through like the key messaging, whatever, like what's really changed from yesterday, right? So what's everyone's kind of main focus for the day? And then where are people stuck? Like where is failure a problem? And what do they need from another department in order to like remove that failure, right? But that's a time for like those kind of updates. And so so to me, that would be my recommendation is to is to have some sort of kind of like uh, cascading, some sort of cadence where if, for example, like in that case, you would have marketing that says, hey, 
you know, we, we've uh, we've created a new, we've created some new copy around XYZ product or service. Here is the new copy. And then the head of sales needs to do a good job of, of committing to training that, training their salesperson on that copy. Like in our case, for example, we, and this is what we train ourselves, our, our clients to do as well. We give people scripts and they have to memorize those scripts and they have to say those scripts to everyone in the organization. We've got over 30 employees, every person in the organization before they say it to a customer. So they, they say it, they've now said it at least 30 times out loud Excellent. before they say it to a customer so that it sounds like them. It sounds, it's embodied, it's natural, it's a, it's second nature, you know, um, for them to be able to do it. And that, I think that's, that's critical. And, uh, so, so we're talking about changing behaviors, right? And you and Mary are experts at behavioral, you're, you're behavioral change experts. That's what you are, right? In, in we're, the, we're the best, we're the best in the world at it the best in the world at it. So without knowing the, the, the people that are listening to it, obviously, do you have any tips about the main things that you usually need to pay attention to change in yourself? Like you, many times, small marketing agencies, they have one or two salespeople, many times the boss, like the, the, the owner sales themselves. And it's very hard to look at yourself and change yourself. Do you have any tips about, about how to do that? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to rattle off several right now. So number one is um, you have to ask kind of what's in it for them, right? So what's the why must be greater than the sacrifice. So if they make this change, if they do this new thing that we're asking them to do, like how does it benefit them? Is it going to give them more freedom, more peace, more prosperity, more income? You know, what is it going to do for them, right? So I think that has to be dialed in. Number two is that what stops them from doing it? Is it a story? Is it a self-image, reluctance, or rule? Is it some sort of fear, some sort of limiting belief? Uh, and and uh, one of my latest books that I wrote called The Mindset of a Sales Warrior, I, I, I address these four different types of mental leashes. So self-image is like our identity. Do I identify with this? Um, our, uh, the story is like, I can't do this because I'm on... I'm on Zoom and I can't say these things over Zoom. I could say it face to face. That's like that's a story or a reluctance or fear. This comes across too pushy or too cheesy. I don't doesn't you know that's reluctance. Mm -hmm. And then last is a rule. Well, I'll say that, but but uh, I need to say it on the third visit. So they have some sort of like rule of engagement, right? <laughs> yeah, I, and so I know that. Yeah, so that's the second thing is we got to like what stops them from doing it, and then we got to remove that fear, which we could talk about you know more how to do that. And then the third thing I would say is. Um, is, is, is there accountability around it? Meaning like, um, is there, is there, is there coach or manager? Do they agree with it? Are they supervising it? Are they encouraging it? Are they coaching it? Uh, I would say the fourth thing is, are they being trained on how to do it? Like, is there an actual like training process, a skill? Are we breaking it down into like a chunk by chunk, uh, perspective? I would say the fifth thing is, is there systems of accountability around it? Are we tracking it? Are we measuring it? You know, the best way to lose weight or gain weight is to weigh in every day. Mm. So if you want to lose, if you, if you weigh in every day, you have a visual measurement of, oh crap, I've gained a pound. Well, that's going to immediately cause you to do something about it. You're either okay with gaining a pound or you're not okay. But if you're not okay, you're definitely going to look at what you've done the last 24 hours and you're going to change that. So you don't gain two pounds over the next two days. Right. And then the right. last, the last kind of um, influencer, I would say to kind of change that behavior would be, um, would be like compensation or rewards. So are we, are we compensating them? Are we rewarding them? Are we recognizing them for the new desired behavior that we've created? So those are six I just rattled off out of the gate to change behavior. And those are six that I can also implement on myself. It's a little bit 
Some of them may be a little bit tricky, but you need to sit down with yourself, kind of write them down, look at yourself as the person that you want to change and, and just implement the sixth of them. Uh, what's your opinion about sales personalities? You know, their personality test, been using them for a long time. You have like 16 personalities. Some are more equipped for sales, according to those personality tests. I heard other people say introverts could be also great salespeople. Depends on the uh, what they do. What's what's your position on that? Were, are, are some people born to sales and some people don't? Great. Yeah, so I would say, uh, number one, I think personality tests are crap. That's my opinion. <laughs> so I think they're way, I think personality <laughs> tests are way, that way, way, way overrated. Okay. Uh, to your point, there is literally zero research that proves over a statistical time period that if you are an extrovert, you can sell more than an introvert. Or if you were an introvert, you could sell more than an extrovert. Or I don't care. I mean, it does, if whatever. Like all that stuff is way, way overrated. Now, do I think personality tests have a place? Yes. They're a great way to understand how you communicate and how other people communicate so that you can change or adapt or chameleon your communication style to someone else. But that's basically the extent of them. That's that's how good they're. They're not they're not good for a hiring tool. They're good for more of a communication training tool. We prefer uh, in our recruiting side. We use an assessment that's a behavioral based assessment, not a personality assessment, and it measures uh, a person's degree to their goal clarity towards prospecting. Their their motivation, their psychological and physical energy towards prospecting. It measures the 16 different types of reluctances or fear that prevent them from prospecting. But again, it's a behavioral assessment. And so that answers the next question that you just said. And that is, um, can can uh, some people sell or some people not sell? You know, is it, and I, I, here's my belief. My belief is that 100% of all human beings are born to sell. That's what my belief is. And the reason for that is because you name one single person that you go, I don't think, you know, I don't think my cousin, my cousin, uh, Sheila can sell. And I go, well, yeah, but when your cousin, well, why do you feel that way? Well, my cousin, Sheila is very timid and very insecure. And, and, uh, you know, she's just very shy at parties and I go, okay. Yeah. But when, 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 when your cousin Sheila was, you know, seven years old, how persuasive was she and how relentless was she on convincing her parents to stay up late and, and have extra ice cream or, or, you know, buy some sort of toy at the, at the mall that her parents said no to, you know, yeah. did she ask for permission there? Was she shy then, you know, or was she relentless? And the answer is she was relentless. So every human being is born to sell. It's like part of our DNA, like, you know, sex and, and ever, uh, you know, eating, eating and survive. Yeah. It's a survival yeah. skill, right? To persuade others to do things that we think will benefit us. This podcast is brought to you by Umbrella. Have an agency? Check out UmbrellaUS.com to grow it today. Now that's manipulation on that extent. Persuasion is to persuade others to do things that will benefit both of us, you and me, right? But 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 all, all human beings are born to sell because children are the best at manipulating their parents to do whatever they want them to do. <laughs> Very good. Right? So how so let's let's stay on this subject. A few tips about recruiting a good sales. And I know you guys have one of the best sales recruiting companies ever. So all of you are listening. I don't know if you can afford the best, 
But if you can, you can, should check out uh, uh, Jason's uh, company. You but can't afford not to hire the best. You know you why? Can't. Okay, that's a okay. That, here's you know why person coming out. Well, no, but think about it, right? It's a it's a simple thing because you name a business right now that hasn't set, that set their 2022 goals out. Right? Here's my goal. I'm going to increase sales by 25 percent this year, and if we do that, we're going to be profitable by this, and we're going to have this kind of cash and so forth. And and uh, okay. Well, that, that's riding on the shoulders of one human being, and that's the salesperson or a sales team. So if you make that wrong move, right? First, it takes you, you know, like in our program, it takes them nine, it takes us 90 days to get the salesperson up to speed to truly be phenomenal. And then it's going to take you another three months after that to evaluate, you know, am I, am I really getting the strong return on investment on my, on my, well, now we're six months into the year. You know, if you start on January 1st with that new hire, and again, if you're, if you've, you've put your entire goal, your entire year on this one decision, and you're going to do it by using your internal executive assistant that you know that that does all the other stuff for you but occasionally once in a while they're going to go find this relentless sales warrior and you're going to and you're going to, you're, you're going to bet all of your your year on that one person to do that i think it's the worst mistake a human being could possibly make if they were to do that when you position it like that First right off, i mean why would you do I, that I, no no i agree with you 100% i'll tell you what i thought when i said it my okay. thinking is there are a lot of the there are a lot of people that crash and burn on the first one or two salespeople, and the reason is their business, their marketing funnel is not nailed down yet. They don't know they shouldn't have a salesperson yet. No matter who, who they hire, it's going to be an endless zigzag of endless communications of trying this, trying that because they don't have their own thing set, so they can't hire a person and teach them to sell something that they're not sure how to sell. And you have a lot of people in that position. So they sometimes, and I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not judging, sometimes you just need to hire and fail with one person. And then you understand how sucky you were at helping that person be successful. Then it makes you kind of get everything nailed down and set in stone. So when you make your next hire, then they can actually succeed. So, and, and a lot of small businesses we have also a lot of starting up businesses. People that are not coming from the sales side, sometimes undervalue, at least from what I saw, undervalue how much things need to be in order on the product and marketing and pricing and sales process side for a salesperson to succeed. And they're just expecting to blurp a company and a person and for them to pick off and create a positive ROI. And that's difficult. That's just setting a person up to fail. That's that's where I came from, but I agree with you 100% about what you said. And, and I would and I would agree with what you just said because, like in our organization, uh, I mean we're real clear that that we will not hire you your first salesperson. So that that's <laughs> that is that is actually our rule because again it cost us a for, you know it cost us right. I mean if, if we have a replacement guarantee that if your if our salesperson's not better than half your existing sales team, then uh, we replace them for free, right? So. So, but if we have to replace them, then our, our, we have, we, we make, we lose money on the deal, right? So there's no profit margin on it and we have to have that. So, so to your point, what we tell people is, um, you know, we will hire your second sales team. You have to be, you know, you have to, like, to, like you said, you have to have marketing, you have to have infrastructure, you have to have those things ready to go. And that's really crucial for the people we hire because we, the people we hire, we're hiring these, we call them gumps. So my name's Forrest, the last name Forrest Gump, right? So we hire gumps goal super goal oriented they're super clear on who they're going after what they're going after what they're making you know to make it happen unleashed 
unleashed of their fears and reluctances and stories and self-image and rules, all that stuff, motivated to keep going and procedural based to follow that process. But if you hire these gumps and you don't give them a company that's got their like shit figured out, right? Yeah. That doesn't have a machine already established, that doesn't have systems and structure, that doesn't have a CRM, that doesn't have all those things. The gump one, it'll be almost impossible to even convince them to work for you. But number two is that that uh, they, they'll usually quit because they, they can't, it's not, your company's too slow for them, right? 100%, 100%. So, okay, so let's say we hired somebody, whether it's a gump or somebody else, and oh, I'm trying to do sales myself, one of the difficult things, and you wrote about it in your website, I read it, a lot of people burn out in sales. Uh, how do you keep motivation up day in, day out? Sometimes it's not going so well. Sometimes there is a, you know, there is a, a kind of a, a low curve and, and you're not hitting your goals and you're just calling and calling and calling. How, how do you keep the motivation up? Yeah, great question. So um, so what I believe is, again, it's all about culture. I think culture is really huge. And so like in our organization, normally I have my door open. I don't in this case because I don't want to pick up the you know, the podcast mic, but uh, but normally if our doors open and and I'm using, you know, we've got these like noise canceling head, headsets and so forth that we all are on. So, you know, we like to have that kind of like energy. We think commotion creates emotion and we think it's it's important to kind of have that all dialed in. So our our BDRs and our salespeople and our trainers and everyone, you know, usually is, is an open door type of situation. So we have that noise. So I think that energy around, I think is important. Uh, I think the second thing that's important is I call them an everyday win. So for example, like, and what I recommend for all of our clients, as well as what we practice, what we preach here is we have an end of the day huddle for the sales team. And that's where they get on a very quick huddle at the end. So they start the day with a huddle. They also get on the end of the day with a huddle, not long, 15 minutes, five, 10 minutes, just on the way home, whatever. And the idea behind it is they share a success, hmm. right? They share some sort of victory. And the victory doesn't have to be, I close something. The victory is, you know, hey, you know, Microsoft was ghosting me and I finally got, you know, the head of Microsoft of da 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 to, to, to answer the phone and, and right. uh, now they're now we scheduled an appointment, right? So it's just something that was positive, something that, you know, I got all my calls done today, I, you know, whatever, right? And so that everyday win, I think is important because people, because success breeds success and they've got to feel like they're winning. And so I think that's important to do. So again, create the energy, create the culture, create the connection, uh, start your day every day with that. Like, what am I going to focus on today? And then end your day with some sort of like everyday win huddle. I think those are very important. So the, uh, er the everyday win is just at the end of the day or also at the beginning? It's at the, it's at the, the no, no, it's the, it's at the end of the day, right? So you start your day focused on what are you going to accomplish today? And then you end your day with like, what was your biggest win? I love it. I love it. It's not just for sales team, by the way. I love that approach. I think it's you for, can do it for, for everyone. Teams, for, yep. Yeah, for tech teams, it could be for a lot of people. And it's uh, really good in this new world of, of virtual, right? Because I think personally, I think the cultures that adopt these like quick little meetings like this, these quick little huddles, you know, like for example, half our company is in Latin America. So we outsource we outsource a lot of our of our work in Latin America. Well, the Latin America team always tells us unanimously, they always say, you know, we love working for FPG the most uh, because you don't treat us like a contractor. You treat us like we're part of your company and we feel like you're a part of your company and we feel like we're one of you. And and so we we make them. They're on our group me's, they're on our, I mean, they're they're a part of you know, everything that we do, they don't, they're contractors. They don't have to do it, 
but they right. want to do it. They want to be a part of it. And, and, and so they like to do that, but it, it makes the world a lot smaller, which I think is important in this new kind of virtual world where people are not going to go into the office anymore. We're going to lose connection with people, which I think is not going to be good. I, I agree with you hundred percent. So, okay. So one of the most important things that I wanted to touch on is let's say I want to make myself a better salesperson. I know you guys have a great coaching program for that and a great course, right? It's so, not the best in the world. It's number two in the world. <laughs> so it's the second yeah. best sales training program in the world. It's not number one. It's number two. Warrior Selling is number two by Global Gurus. Okay. Okay. That's so maybe I could take it off the podcast if you want later. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So um, it, but it's one of the best. And what, you know, for me as a digital marketer, wanting to make myself a better salesperson because I want to hit better goals. I want, I'm lacking structure. As a salesperson, I'm really lacking structure because I'm the CEO and I'm the digital marketer and I'm doing some fulfillment behind the scenes and I need to take care of resellers. And I also go to meetings and I go to network events and I don't take the time with myself to work on it. So a coaching, a course could be very helpful for me. Does that, would you say that your course fit that person that I just described? I, I do. Yeah. So the, the great thing about our, uh, we call it the warrior selling 90 day program. And it's the first six weeks is where they learn the sales script, the process and the language and the mindset. And the second six weeks is where they kind of unleash it and really, really are held accountable to kind of, kind of unleash it to the world and to their database. Um, but the greatest thing about it, it's, it's like the P90X for, for sales training, right? It's very, 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 very accountable. It's very practical. It's very tactical. Uh, they're, they're not only going to be learning the script that they create, co-create, uh, but they're also going to bring their, their real life prospects to those weekly, we call them dojo sessions, like in martial mm. arts. So they practice the dojo session. So they're going to bring those, their prospects to the weekly dojo sessions on, Hey, here's an account I'm trying to get in front of. Here's, here's where I got paused last time. Here's the objection that I heard. Here's what they told me why they can't go forward with us. You know, Hey, so FPG trainers, what would you say? to overcome this? How would you handle this, right? And so what we promise, our brand promise for our training is that uh, that the hour after these weekly dojo sessions should be your most productive, highest conversion rate hour of your week. Hmm. Excellent. So so that's perfect for a lot of people that don't have that infrastructure and, and, and that supporting uh, ecosystem that actually is sales experts, our sales experts, I think that's perfect. So but first, of all, but first of all, no, no one has an infrastructure. So like, I don't care what team, I don't care. I don't care if we, uh, we start training Salesforce. I don't care if we start training Microsoft. I don't care. Like, I don't care. You name it. There's not been a single person that's ever gone through an IDA program that says, uh, oh well, yeah, this is so much easier than XYZ training that I've done in the past. Like this is so much less accountable than what I've done in the past. Like no one ever says that. Everyone always says this is the most structured, the most support, the most accountable, the most relevant, the most tactical I've ever gone through, period. I love it. I think it's critical. I think it's one of the issues with courses. I see it a lot, not just in sales courses, any kind of course that is practical, could be a great content, something about the structure of the course without accountability many times leave the person leaving the course in the middle or not really implementing things. And you can't do that with sales. 
if, you know, so what's what's the point? Because it's it's very implementable tactical training. You either use it or you don't. It's not just knowledge. So I, I love that. Uh, last section we have on the podcast today for you is rapid Q and A. I have a list of questions. I need fast answers. Uh, the questions are in no way edgy, but if you feel uncomfortable with any of them, just say past. Say, say pass. They're not, though. They're not. There's no uncomfortable. Why would I get uncomfortable with something? <laughs> Hold on. Who it's in the coming. world gets uncomfortable with this stuff? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you haven't heard the questions yet. All right. No, let's go maybe. for it. There is one question. One question that I always fear, but I, I never got a pass before, but I do fear maybe I'll get one one day. So let's see. Uh, let's see what happens. Did you get along with your parents growing up? Um, I got along with, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes and no. Right. So, uh, my dad was super into my, uh, to my sports and so forth. He had really high standards, like super high standards. And so he was there for me a lot. Um, he was a no nonsense kind of person and still is. And then my mom, um, I got along with her, but she was a little more aloof. She was a little more aloof and, and, uh, so, but yeah, I got along with both of them. Do you have siblings? I do. I have one that's uh, seven years older than me. So kind of an only, only child from that standpoint. Do you have a pet? Uh, we do. We have two uh, great Danoodles. Danoodles. Great wow. Danoodles. So it's a Great Dane Poodle mix. And one is named Crixus off of the uh, historical uh, incredible gladiator named Crixus. And the other one's Merlin. So we've got a warrior and a magician. <laughs> I'm a magician warrior. Um, how old uh, you have kids? I do 11, 12, and almost 14. How old were you when your first kid was born? God, I don't know. Four, like okay. 40? No, 30, 30. I'm 43 now. Yeah, 30. I would imagine. There you okay. Go. When do you wake up? Sorry, when do I what? When do you wake up? Oh, like 4.30 every day. Wow, that's early. When do you go to bed? Well, I go to bed early too. I pr I'm probably like asleep by 10, I would say. Ideal vacation? Uh, I would say anywhere that's like like hot and the beach and kind of that thing. Are you a man of faith? Uh, I am a man of faith. I'm more of a man. I'm more spiritual, I would say, than I am religion. religious. Uh, I mean, again, my Sunday school teacher was Zig Ziglar. I grew up in all that stuff. Uh, but I am... I am much more into the kind of the unity uh, philosophy of things that I think I think we can learn from. Uh, I think there is a God, uh, and I think that we can learn from all things. I think God teaches us in all different ways. Love it, excellent. Thank you, Jason. You were amazing. Welcome. Guys, that was easy. That was easy. I was worried. I, I, I always get concerned about a man of faith. People answer. But I'm concerned maybe some people think it's too private, but up until now it was okay. But maybe one day somebody will tell me, pass. Uh, so you're, you're great. Thank you very much for the excellent help you gave all the listeners. Guys, uh, go to fpg.com, fpg.com. That's Jason's company. You can get great resources there about sales and obviously check out what they're doing. And also, pick up the mindset of a sales warrior. That's Jason's new book. If you want to start with some sales training that is very soft, 
pick up the book, but I suggest take the course. If it's time for you, if you feel it's time for you to move a level up and really start converting more people, and it doesn't matter what you do, if you're an agency or somebody else that is listening, but probably an agency, the book is a way to start with. The course would actually take you where you want to go. Uh, so Jason, thank you very much for being with us today, man. That's awesome. And another way to say it too is, um, if you are a hundred percent satisfied with the amount of profitable clients that you have in your portfolio, then don't read the book or don't sign up for the course. <laughs> your one is better. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where we provide the information you need from successful leading marketers to build and grow your digital marketing agency. Your host has been Inamar Shafir, founder and CEO of Umbrella, the technology platform and brand that is powering thousands of marketing agencies around the country. Find him at UmbrellaUS.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>